Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 today for the teaching time. Matthew's in the New Testament. It's about three quarters of the way through a paper Bible. You can use your phone if you'd like. Matthew 13. Typically, before we would get into the uh, teaching, we would pray about the offering. But today we're going to pause and pray for our nation because of the uh, uh, death of George Floyd situation and the violence and the stuff that's erupting around in our uh, cities around our nation. I just thought we'd pause and pray about that. So I wish I had the perfect prayer to pray. I don't know that I do. It's a complicated, difficult situation, but I still think that we can pray, so I'll do my best. Uh, but you don't even have to, listen to, have to listen to my prayer if you don't want to. You can just like be praying yourself. Um, but I think it's appropriate that we pray, so would you, would you pray with me? Get a head nod, anybody? Pray? Yeah, some people are standing. You want to stand to pray? That's fine, too. You can stand. If you want to kneel to pray around here, you can. at home you can do anything you want, although we're watching you. Got it? Let's pray. Oh, no, no, wait. Wait, not yet. Look at these scriptures. I found these verses that help me pray. You can sit down. See, I messed with you, didn't I? You were all ready to pray. Here's a couple scriptures that might help us pray for situations like this. Jeremiah 31, 27. God says about himself, is anything too hard for me? And the answer is no. So this situation is not too hard for God. That's why we pray to him. The other uh, verse was Romans 8.26. I'm not a great prayer, and so this scripture helps me. It says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And sometimes, I don't know what to pray, but, this, but I just moan. I'll be like, help, God, we, you know, I'll be thinking about a situation so if you just want to groan, and, and God can use those things by his spirit. Okay, now. So sorry. Yeah, now we're going to pray. No, wait, sit down. Okay, no, just kidding. Let's pray. Father, most of us are at least somewhat aware of the messy situation that's going on. So I do have a few things. One, I pray, God, that you would increase the volume of everyone's voice who has your heart for this situation. The good voices, the ones who are in tune with you and in tune with your understanding of justice and compassion and the value of human life. God, those voices, will you raise those voices to the top? I also pray in Jesus' name, some of the people who have evil intent in this, will you just press back against them and keep them uh, out of the circumstance and situation? If they don't have your thoughts, your heart, for the situation. Will you, because we, we can't do it, God, will you just put a wet blanket on them? Will you just press them down? Will you stop the voices that are even evil voices or violent voices that are not helpful? Will you stop those voices? And uh, also, God, I pray for every person in authority that has to make decisions during these times, whether they're government officials or police folks or organizers of people that are trying to make a point, uh, will, will you give them wisdom? 
that ultimately goodness can come out of this situation and not more harm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're, if you're a, a praying person, I would encourage you to take some time to pray for those things. Don't just watch. Hey, here we go. Don't just watch the news or check your news feed. Pray during those moments because uh, we have a connection with a God who cares and can make a huge difference. Transition, Matthew 13. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the power of stories. And I've got this quote from a life coach slash motivational speaker slash guy named Tony Robbins. And he says this about stories. He says, stories are one of the most powerful tools you can use to engage and connect with your audience. The power of a single story goes far beyond simply relaying facts and data. Isn't that true? This is true. And then this last couple words was why I picked the quote. It says, stories emotionalize information. I'm not even sure what that means, but it feels right. Stories like emotionalize information. I think it has something to do with it takes information and instead of just putting it in our head, it takes it to our heart. And then sometimes it even goes from our heart into our feet and it affects our actions. People will decide their careers based on some story they heard when they were eight years old about a nurse somewhere who was helping people. They never even met her. They never even met him, but they'll hear a story and it'll affect the rest of their life because there's power in Stories. People will financially sacrifice because they hear a meaningful story, a story of a person in need. Most of us have heard of GoFundMe, right? Where people share their story and people actually give money away because of what the information that they get because of the story. I doubt that you could just post on GoFundMe just a picture with, and people send you much money. I don't know, maybe if you're, maybe a sad picture. Send me money. But it's the story. I was asked recently about books that have impacted my life. And uh, one of the first ones that came to my mind was the autobiography of Charles Finney. I'm sure you've all read it. It's this old crusty book. I read it years ago. But it's basically little snippets of his story. Confession time. The Bible is full of stories, and sometimes I skip the parts that are not stories to get to the parts that are stories. Like you get to those places where it's going to tell you, you know, so-and-so had so-and-so, and so-and-so had kids that were so-and-so, and so-and-so had kids. I just go, where's the stories? And I just skip to the, does anybody else do that? Yeah, I probably shouldn't because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to read every word, but Stories. Is it any wonder then that Jesus, one of his primary teaching tools, was stories? More specifically, parables, which are stories that teach us. In Mark 4:34, he said, it, it, it says of Jesus, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. Just a little clarification about a parable. 
don't, some of you won't do this, but don't confuse a parable with a fairy tale. Fairy tales are nice, fun, fuzzy things that you might share with your a child to help them go to sleep. We are not talking about fairy tales. We are talking about God-ordained word pictures to teach us the most important things in life. Okay? So just with this... By the way, we're beginning this weekend a series called Kingdom Stories. And I just... It's not... Don't think, oh goody, we're going to spend the summer thinking about fairy tales. That is not what it is. These are the kind of things that are teach us about how you end up in heaven or how you don't. Or how do you end up with God on your side and not him against you? Or how do demonic principalities work? What's the, what's the whole spiritual side of life? It's those kind of things which are huge and affect Arguably, every aspect of our life. Those are the kind of things that we're going to study this summer. They will clarify spiritually significant truths. And today we're going to get started with the series by looking at uh, kind of why Jesus used parables as a teaching tool. Jesus was actually asked in Matthew 13, because he began, oh, this is the background. Jesus starts to teach these masses of people using stories, and so the disciples kind of pull him aside, and they ask him, why are you telling stories? And so that's the text for today, and we'll pick it up in Matthew 13, verse 10. It says, the disciples came to him, that's Jesus, and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? It's a great question. And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Now, just at a first glimpse, I'm not sure that that verse helps, gives us a lot of clarity. It's not like a really easily understood uh, couple verses. But I see in there a couple principles that I want to talk about that are connected to, I think, give us insight into what's up with these parable things. So my hope is to, to kind of answer the question, okay, what's, what's up with parables? Why did Jesus do this? And then also a couple challenges that we can see from this text. Sound good? That's what we're going to do. Y'all in? You in for the next three hours to talk about this for the next three hours? Okay, how, 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 how about give me 15, 20 minutes? So you're like, I don't know, that sounds like it. We'll drink, drink some more coffee, we're going to dive in. All right? Before we do that, let's pray. You guys want to stand here? You want to stand while you pray? Do you want to stand? Not this time. Gee, let's, I'll tell you what, let's do stand. At home? Come on, stand up. Um, we're going to pray not just about today, but the whole series for the summer. Ready? God, we invite you into this summer. I pray that these uh, studies that we do, the teaching that happens, whether it's on the weekend or through the week or during maybe our small groups, all the conversa conversations this, this summer, will you open our eyes 
to deep things that are significant to all aspects of our life. Make it a great summer. And that will happen, God, if you take over and you be our primary teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. Those of you that did, those of you that didn't, sitting at home, we're watching you. Taking notes of that. All right, I've got two ideas that are connected to parables. The first one from the text is this. Parables, I'm waiting for it to come up on the screen because I can't remember. Wait, I'm going to try to remember. Parables reveal secrets. Is that right? It is. Parables reveal secrets. Verse 11 says, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. So it mentions this idea of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That word oftentimes, this word secrets, is oftentimes translated mysteries. It's the same word in the original language. And just, here's the definition to broaden, like, what are we talking about here? It's a secret doctrine. It's the counsel of God. It's particular truths or details of the Christian revelation. I want to stop there for a moment. Secrets, you guys, you know this. Secrets are significant keys to making life work better. If you have someone, if you have a friend who does really well financially, chances are they know some secrets about money stuff. No? Yes? They know some stuff that not everybody knows. And that opens the door to them doing some things that not everybody does. If you know someone who does well relationally, the dating relationship, a marriage relationship, you know what? I'll tell you, they probably are aware of some mysteries surrounding the marriage thing that a whole bunch of people don't know about, and so they're not equipped to do it. It's, are you getting me? There are secrets if someone does well physically. They probably know some stuff. The inside secret juice that you're supposed to drink that'll make you not as round as, but more thin. Did you know some people have shapes that are not round? Have you seen these people? Are they not irritating? You ever see these people that are in shape and you just, sorry, this is a tangent. I'm just voicing my, what was I talking about? Secrets absolutely matter. Spiritual, same way with the spiritual life. You have a spiritual life that thrives. It's because you know some things that, that, that a lot of people don't know. So that's part of this idea. But I want to also look at the last part of the definition of this world seek of this word secrets or mysteries. By the way, it's interesting that it sounds a lot like mystery. It's musterion. Isn't that kind of fun? The end of it says, of which initiation is necessary. I don't want to dwell on that. When Jesus is speaking here, he's talking to not just the, the crowd, He's talking to disciples. He's talking to people who have been through certain initiations or experiences that not everybody else has been through. When I thought about initiations, I don't know why I thought about it. I thought about some of the different 
uh, societies, little like secret societies or lodges. Do you ever drive by? You're like driving in a country road or through a town and you look over and it's like the Moose Lodge. That, you know, it's Moose 357 Lodge thing. And have you ever had this thought? Within the last three weeks I did this, I can remember the road I was driving on and I saw the Moose Lodge and I thought, what, I wonder what goes on in the Moose Lodge. Have you ever had those? And you wonder. And here's my thought. There's probably some information we can get regarding the Moose Lodge. I'm not picking on the Moose Lodge. I guess I am. Last night we had a mooser in the service. I, there was a mooser guy. Because I said, yeah, like the Moose Lodge. And a guy right over here said, yeah. Ooh. No, he didn't do that. But he said, yeah. So I'm like, what are you in the moose lodge? He was like, yeah, part of me. So anyway. Anyway, here's my assumption. If you're outside of the moose lodge, like most of us are, you can get some information. But if you're in the inner circle of the moose lodge, then you know. And part of that is the initiation or certain things that you've gone through that only the moosers do. Right? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> or I don't know what they do. What a moose, I'm probably going to offend some people like, that's not what we do. Well, I don't know what you do, but there's probably something that you do, and then you get all the insider information. And where I'm going with this is, there's just a little bit of that in Jesus, in the fact that if you go through certain things, then, then you are, what, qualified? for the secrets and the mysteries of God. This text is really clear that Jesus is sharing these things with the disciples, not the crowd. Right, verse 11, the knowledge of the secrets of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven, I'm sorry, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. He's talking to the disciples, the followers, the inner circle. In Mark 4, it says, similarly, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. I want to be a disciple. I want the inside scoop. And your discipleship, your willing to lean in, is part of what sets the stage for us to get the most out of parables, studies, and hear the voice of God. Here's a little theology for you. You can write this down. Jesus hopes that all will be saved. It's totally true. He wants everybody to come in faith, to, to faith in him, that they can be forgiven for sin. But only disciples, and that word means not just faith, but closely following Jesus in our daily life. Only the disciples get the best information. Well, I was thinking about this. I was trying to think, what are some of the initiations that a disciple or experiences that a disciple has that the crowd would not have? And I'm going to give you three ideas. There are probably 10 or 20 Three ideas as I was considering this group of apostles that he's speaking with. First one is this. Disciples leave things behind. 
or have left some things behind. Everyone in this group, Jesus had said, come follow me, and they've left some stuff to go follow him. So a disciple is aware of sacrifice. In Matthew 19, Peter's perception was, he says, we have left everything to follow you. So a disciple sacrifices part of a disciple's life. The next thing, disciples obey without details. And what I mean by that is they're willing to walk in faith. So if Jesus says, get in the boat and go across the lake, Jesus doesn't have to describe everything on the calendar for what's going to happen across the lake. We're willing to trust him and say, I will obey you without all the details about what's going on. It's what a disciple does. The third thing is disciples pay attention to little things. They're concerned about what some would call smaller things, but a disciple knows that the small things matter to God. And they're not as easily swayed by, oh, it doesn't matter, just do what you want. A disciple says, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be intentional about my decisions and my time and, and those things. Let's look at a parable to illustrate that. In Matthew chapter 25, there's the parable of the ten virgins. Basically, it's a story of ten women who were invited to a wedding banquet. Uh, and apparently at this time, a wedding banquet was not as clear on when it starts. So here we would say, you know, the wedding is going to start at 6.30 and it's going to start at 6.30 there. It was like, it's like kind of about this general time, but it depends on when the groom gets there and the people come. Does that make sense? So it's, it wasn't as rigid with time. So here's what it says. By the way, all ten are invited. They all are like, we're all going to the wedding thing. And it says in verse 2, it says, five of the ten were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, because they don't know how long they're going to be out there waiting for the groom to show up. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Now, pause. Isn't that like a tiny little detail? We're talking about lamp oil management. What's the big deal? You wouldn't think that would make any difference. Oh, I forgot the oil. I got some oil in my lamp, but I didn't bring any extra. No big deal. By the end of the parable, it's a huge deal because the party doesn't get started when they think. Five, long, you can read it. Five of them basically run out of oil, and so they go, I guess we, this is paraphrased, we got to run to Walmart because our lamps are out. And while they're at, it's not really Walmart, while, while they're at the lamp store, oil store, the groom comes, and the party starts without them. But it's not just that. When they get back to the banquet, the, the master of the banquet does not let them in. And you could argue, what was the big deal? The big deal was they didn't pay enough attention 
to things that really did matter more than what they thought. It's just a little, like you think, come on, it's a little thing. It's really sad. At the end of the story, they get, they get back to the banquet and the doors have been closed and they stand outside. They say, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And the master, which represents God, says, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Isn't that sad? It has to do with details. Here's something to consider. You can write it down. Details open spiritual doors. It's true. That's true. Details open spiritual doors. They have great effect on our life. On what gets opened to us and what doesn't ever get opened to us. So we can bring this into the room by asking the question, how am I doing at spiritual details? It's a great question. Something I, sh I should ask myself so many. How am I doing? Am I paying attention to the details, the spiritual details in my life? If we do, it'll open doors. If we don't, things will get messy. I want to give you a practical example of how this detail things work in my life. I'll try to make it pretty quick. Uh, I, have, I got a truck, old truck. It was my dad's truck, and I inherited it, sort of. Anyway, it's been in the family. Uh, here's a picture of it, 1988 Chevy Silverado. It's a truck. Anybody relate to trucks? Give me one amen. All right. Says my truck. Um, I also have a wife. Not to be compared with the truck, but I have a wife. And here's what happened. We were in a conversation this week, and my wife, whom I love almost all the time. Like, I really appreciate my wife. We have a good marriage and all those things. But my wife, through a conversation, she questioned the dependability of my truck. I was talking on the phone. And I don't know what happened to me. Typically, I would pay attention to these details in my life, and I would be fine. But for some reason, whether, whether it was COVID stress or the wrong time of the day or blah, 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 I don't know what happened. But when she questioned the dependability of my family truck, I, can, I was this close to starting an, an argument with my wife over a stupid truck. I and she wasn't even, you know, slamming the truck. She was just questioning the dependent. Some of you get this. Like, don't be questioning my truck. And so I was this close. I started to lean into the conversation, and I was ready to say something that I shouldn't, you know, say. You know how you can say some things, and it's just a little thing, but oh, it can start a real big thing. And just before I started to lean in, I really felt like I could show you the seat where I was sitting. It's just a one-person seat. I just felt like the Holy Spirit came and sat right next to me and leaned over and said, what are you about to do? And I'm like, she said something bad about my truck. But instead, I, I, I was so grateful. Side note, I am so grateful to God. Because I was about to start a stupid argument. With the, with the woman I'm committed to for the rest of my life about a small little comment she made about some in, insignificant truck that someday's all going to rust and burn. Does that make sense? And so God will get involved. We're good when God gets involved in the details of our life. He will say, no, 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 pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. It has a huge effect on our life. One side note before we Jump to the second point. Aren't you glad God is a detail-oriented God? Jesus is a detail-oriented Savior. When he died on the cross, he did it perfectly. 
He did it perfectly so that you and I can be forgiven with confidence because he fulfilled every detail of the prophetic law and the scripture. And when he said it's finished, there was nothing undone. That's a cool God to serve. And it's a role model for us to try to be like. So that was parables are connected to secrets. The second thing, parables create separation. Hang in there, we're going to go quickly. In the text, it's like Jesus describes the haves and the have-nots. Whoever has, verse 12, will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, this is kind of striking to me. Even what they have, they only have a little bit, will be taken from them. Now, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, come on. And by the way, this is at God's initiative. And so that just seems to me like, wow, that's interesting that God would, would, would say, no, you guys have stuff. I'm going to give you more. And you people that are not, don't have anything, I'm just going to take what you have. And just a, uh, a note about the summer. God, through these parables, I think we're, is going to challenge us on some of our perception of the seriousness of who God is. Too often, I think, culturally, we think of God as a lot like Santa Claus, who's really just a big, jolly guy, who whether you've been good or bad, or whether you're intentional or not, ultimately, when Christmas comes, he's going to say, you're all going to get presents. And I would say the kingdom of God, although grace is free and the kingdom is free and salvation, you cannot earn it. Jesus paid for it on the cross. But the mysteries and the details and the power of God, that has to do with us being intentional. And if, you are in detention, if you're intentional, God will give you, see you faithful. He'll give you more. And if you're lazy or lackadaisical in your spiritual life, you risk him saying, I was going to pour this out on your life, but actually I'm a steward of this, these treasures. I'm a steward. And if you're not going to be a good steward, I'm going to give them to somebody who will be a good steward. It's really serious. I think this parable series is going to stretch us. It's actually going to help us have a better image of who God is. We'll finish our time with another parable about that this, the seriousness of spiritual diligence. In Matthew 25, talking about the kingdom, it says, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So this master, a man of means, grabs his servants, and to keep them busy, because he's going to go away, but he gives them an assignment. Here's some bags of gold, and the implied expectation is, just because I'm gone, you should still be working. So put this money to work. So the first two, five bags, the man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, gained five more. So also the one with two bags gained two more. The, the man who had received the one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. My interpretation of this Two, were spiritually diligent and responsible. One, the Bible actually calls him later, he's lazy. 
He's like, uh, I think what I'll do is I'll just put this someplace safe. And whenever the master comes back, I'll just give him that. Here's a thought. What's he going to do during all this time? Just, he's just doing the minimum requirement. Then just, again, the two that are diligent, if you read the entire account, they get more. Because they're faithful. And they're diligent and maybe even intense. And it gets really bad for the one who's not. It's worse actually, actually than the foolish virgins parable. At the end of this one, it says in verse 30, Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is serious Bible language for things get really bad. So, I've summed it up with this idea. You can write it down if you want. Paying spiritual attention has big rewards. You can either get blessed or more because you're faithful or not. And when you're or not, then you risk even what we have being taken from us. As we get ready to close... Here's a challenge for us. Oh, this is my hope. This is my hope this summer. You ready? It'll come up on the, street, the screen. Let's decide to have a spiritually serious summer. And I, I don't think God minds if you get a suntan and you enjoy some things. But on the spiritual side, in the midst of it, how about we make a decision that we're not going to, what's the word, drift this summer. We're going to, we have an opportunity to grow this summer. There are probably three groups of people listening. There are some of us who live our life spiritually seriously, spiritually serious all the time. Maybe you're in that group. By God's grace in your life, you're like, man, I, I take this stuff serious all the time. There's probably another group. You're not in the serious group. You're cyclical. And sometimes I fall in this category. Every so often, you just have to recommit again because you leak. I leak spiritually. I'm like, man, I'm totally committed to Christ. Oh, now it's Tuesday. I don't know what happened. And then and at the end of Tuesday, then I'll be like, ah! And then I, so this is how I stay fairly spiritually serious. It's like every day I sign up again. Or three or four days go by and I go, what happened? And then I go, I'm in. And then, so I do this. Or, you know, like, I'm in. So maybe that's you. Um, there's a third group. And I just want to challenge this group and invite you. You're not spiritually serious. You're not spiritually cyclical. You're spiritually sloppy. You may have some things in your life you're serious about, but, but you're, the, you're the, let's just go bury this. It'll be okay. And I want to invite you this summer to beg God to give you a sense of spiritual seriousness and see what he will do for us and with us. I think it's going to be that kind of summer. Why don't you stand? We're going to get ready to close in prayer. By the way, if you're joining us online and you would like some prayer, or maybe you just want to make a confession in the comments, just make a confession. I'm in. Or I, I'm, I want to be spiritually serious. 
Uh, if you need specific prayer online, we have people that are monitoring that, and they can pray about what's going on. I would also, if you're here on site, um, uh, I'm going to invite you to follow the service, following the service, come up here, and uh, I'm just going to pray a sense of spiritual seriousness on us. So if you want to have some prayer for that, I'll give it my best shot. Over here, the prayer team will serve you with any prayer need that you have. You ready? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.